This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Well, we finally made it to the conclusion of a very long and very drawn out test of our justice system. All for the benefit of a double murderer and his spotlight-seeking defense team. Today, January 29th, 2024, Justice Jean Toll denied Alec Murdoch's motion for a new trial. And that is a big deal. While we didn't see fireworks or smoking guns, we did see Justice Jean Toll keep the peace by allowing a lot of unexpected testimony as attorneys from the state and for the defense vied to show Justice Toll that justice and the law was on their side. But Justice Toll made it clear that this hearing would not be to put Becky Hill on trial. Liz, Eric, and I talk about how Justice Toll separated the juror issue at hand from Becky's questionable decisions and even more questionable testimony. Justice Toll ultimately determined that Alec Murdoch would remain a convicted double murderer and quashed his quest to get a new trial based on jury tampering by Clerk of Court Becky Hill. And in other news, I am so excited to go back to Columbia, South Carolina, as we celebrate justice at the Capital City Club to bring a special evening event that you don't want to miss. Yours truly will be joined by attorney and legal director of the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network, Sarah A. Ford, for an evening reception and examination of state government, true crime, media, and of course, the conclusion of this very long saga. This exclusive in-person event is restricted to invited club members and Lunashark Premium members only. RSVP today by clicking the link in the description or visit lunasharkmedia.com events. We'll also break down the ins and outs of the testimony and strategy on True Sunlight this Thursday. But for now, let's get into it. Cups up, guys. Cups up. Cups up. Happy Monday night. Happy Monday night. Yeah. Aw, look at that, Eric. Good to see you guys. Yeah, you just got here uh, just in the nick of time. You came from the court I did. house, from the Richland County Courthouse, uh, where Alec Murdoch was denied a new trial today. Yep, I've been there for two two full days, Friday and today. Yeah, so uh, how you feeling? I feel really good. I feel really good about us. It's great to be right, and it's great to be wrong. Uh, right in the sense that we predicted that this would be the outcome. We were probably in the... Uh, strong minority about that. There was a lot of local uh, news media and obviously national media that were buying what Dick was, uh, you know, has been selling for the last five, six months. You know, we've always talked that, you know, he came out like a lion. He's going to run out like a lamb. But I was really wrong about Justice Toll. Um, and just so that the listeners know, I just tweeted about it um, this morning when I went in. 
I went in to see her and I said, uh, Justice Toll, I just want you to know that I was 100% wrong about you. And regardless of how you rule today or when it's over, uh, I'm going to tell our listeners that I was wrong, that uh, you handled this matter perfectly. You've been uh, fair to both sides. Um, we all, I also predicted to you guys last Friday that I suspected that she was going to broaden the scope of the hearing a little bit to give the defense uh, the opportunity to put in um, some of their evidence. But they, you know, they they kind of had a Trojan horse thrown on them that they didn't see coming. And they thought the hearing was going to be about, well, we'll just tar and feather Becky. We'll show how bad she is, how not credible she is, and that we have to get a new trial. And what they didn't listen to Justice Toll about from the status conference on January uh, 16th was she's only concerned about the jurors. And what did the jurors think? What did the jurors hear? And did that have an impact on their verdicts? And you heard from 11 jurors today, a resounding no, that nothing that was said, nothing that we uh, should have heard or we heard or was done had any impact on our verdicts except the law, the testimony and the evidence. And there was a 12th juror. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit about what Harpitlian said about me in open court and about that juror. But um, I never doubted her belief that she may have been believed that she was pressured into her verdict, but she ended up vacillating. And that's why we never can have perpetual verdicts. You vote one time and that's your vote. To my knowledge in our podcast, none of us ever called any juror a liar. That 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 is so over the top. I don't know where. But yet that's what you were called today in court. Dick told Justice Toll that you were. That I called her a liar and that. Uh, Can you explain that a little bit, though? Because um, it seems like all of a sudden you were being moved to the back of the courtroom. Where were you seated prior to that? And what was Dick's ob objection? I was in the jury box and I, I sat in the first seat in the jury box in the last row. And that's where I was uh, since Friday. That's where Justice Toll wanted me to be. And uh, Harputlian asked that um, I be moved because the juror was intimidated by me and scared uh, because I had publicly called her, allegedly, uh, allegedly publicly called her a liar. I am who I am. And I stood up and I said, I object. Uh, you know, this is beyond the pale, I said. And then she Justice told normally would, if somebody like me did that, she, she'd come down on me a ton of bricks, but she did not. Uh, she just said, both of you calm down. She asked me to move. When he slammed sled and gratuitously said, you know, I can't trust them. They can't be trusted. It's not that the AG can't be trusted. I'm not saying them. It's sled. Well, I talked to some of those sled officers after Harputlian said that, including some Richland County deputies, and they didn't take too kindly to Harputlian slamming them and questioning their veracity. And they basically said, if Dick Harputlian ever calls us again for a favor, it isn't going to happen. And if he comes to see us, they're going to wait for, he's going to wait four hours. He, he, he's lost it. Now, today, I will tell you, he did a good performance in proving that Becky Hill has credibility issues. But that's something that everybody's known from about the past two months, past two months. But they, they never focused on the jurors, guys. That was the key. They had to focus on the 12 deliberating jurors.
and they didn't do it. Again, I think they focused too much in their entire strategy on um, the media and the public's opinion on this case instead of focusing on the judge and the jurors and i say that because i sat there on friday just listening to dick arputley and insert buzzword after buzzword in every single thing that he said and everything that he said was intentional for headlines and he got the headlines of like not trusting police and blah 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 and he wanted to get his little one-liners there and his little points and i will say that he did a pretty good job today I feel like that that was the strongest dick harputlian has been in a long time do you guys agree you are correct. You are correct. I think he was more professional today. That's what I would say above anything else. More professional. Yeah. His cross-examination of um, Becky Hill was very uh, light. It was not, you know, in your face and yelling and screaming like he normally does. It was very reserved uh, and measured. Uh, and he proved that she lacks credibility on a, a number of fronts. Yeah. I'm a little mad though because it, it well it feels like a victory it also kind of feels like a colossal waste of time um and energy and tax money and I it is a victory that the state does not have to go through another trial but I think you're right in the sense that um it's you got that feeling in your stomach, we won, but you know, what was the cost of winning? What was the cost to the justice system? What was the cost to, you know, uh, Judge Newman? What was the cost to the prosecution? What was the cost to Maggie and Paul? And what you see, I, I went out because I wanted to hear the press conference of Dick and Jim, and it was typical. Okay, this is, we knew this was going to happen. Now we're focusing on appeal and we're going to show you who the murderers were. Now we know who the murderers are. It, it's just an endless fish hook with bait on it. And everybody wants to jump out in the water and try to grab the hook. And it's, it's just more of the same. I mean, it's hyperbole after hyperbole from these guys. Well, the media has felt fallen for it every single time, except with the exception of us. And there's very few others at this point that have not gone after the dangling object that Dick Harpulian has thrown out over and over. And I would feel foolish if I was them today um they've told their audience how big of a chance that alex murdoch had and how jury tampering absolutely happened and there was going to be fireworks today and I, I there were i mean today was a roller coaster emotionally at least it was for me but like liz said um we expected a lot of that to happen um, I think it was starting out with 6.30, like the, the starting right out of the bat with you having to move and then the first juror saying, I believe Becky, I didn't know that she was going to go that far with saying, I believe that Becky influenced. We did. Did you? We did. And, and, and I talked it over with Creighton. We both believed that that was the best thing and the mistake that it made God, you know, it wasn't. It happened because Joe McCullough, you know, God forbid, had a heart attack and had surgery and was really 
sick and it was amazing that he showed up in court today but um putting her on first because of joe's health actually was the better presentation because it, she you know she was isolated and when you see the 11 that followed her or the 10 because there was one on friday it it it, it showed the stark contrast between her testimony and the other 10 if she had gone last it would be you know primacy and then that would be the last thing that it would be on everybody's mind and then she was judged against all these other jurors who came in and used words like absolutely not it was absolutely not uh influenced by becky it was uh you know i gave my verdict absolutely based on the testimony the evidence and judge newman's uh things so it actually turned out okay now they 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 outsmarted themselves by a touch when they had joe mccullough submit another affidavit this afternoon from uh juror z uh who now has given three different opinions one was it was caused by jury pressure two it was caused by miss becky and i felt pressured based on what she said and three a, a whole combination of, of cocktails of pressures. What frustrated me about that affidavit was that I think it's been weeks now where I've been tweeting this and saying this, that juror 630, or I guess we're calling her juror Z now, in her first affidavit said when she entered the room that she still had questions about Alex's guilt. Good, good point. Which would mean that be whatever Becky said to her had no effect, right? And I know that we can talk about the nuance, we could talk, I mean, what's so frustrating to me, I'm gonna be honest, like, especially like looking at people's comments today and the tweets, I think everyone continues to miss the point, even though it's just said over and over again, which is that this always boiled down to whether or not the, the verdict was affected itself, right? Like, and it just, I, even though, and these, even though it was a roller coaster, I think it was just so stark this morning when we heard that juror say yes to that question. Did Becky, uh, what Becky said, influence your, your decision? Um, we did expect that. We did know that this was going to be the issue from the very beginning with her. She was the only thing that they had. So no, there was a there was another juror that no one had spoken to that was a free agent that all of us were concerned. That's true, but they didn't have him. They didn't have him. They did not have him. I know, but we didn't know what that juror was going right. to say, and evidently that juror came right. out and said wild card. Right. Yeah. That juror came out and said. No, nope, no effect. One of the arguments I see happening right now is that like we should all be concerned that Alec did not get this new trial because um, the mere fact now that Justice Toll has put it on the record that Becky is not completely credible, which any of us could have told you that at this point. Does that mean that Becky's word, like now that we know that she's not completely credible, does that mean that what she said to the juror or allegedly said to the juror, it would be enough for a new trial in any other circumstances? Like remove Alec from this, remove the fact that it was a six week trial. It's just let's boil it down to the Sixth Amendment right and, you know, remove all that I, because I'm interested. I have not worked this out in my head yet in terms of how I feel about this issue, absent of all these details of it would have been enough if her affidavit didn't say it was based on juror pressure, because remember, judges cannot get inside the jury room. And once she said it was jury pressure, that happens all the time. There's jury pressure all the time. If you're the lone holdout, you are going to be pressured by the other 11 that are going to want to convince you of their positions. That was a, 
you know, that was her truth. That was what was in the affidavit. And then Harputlian must have realized that because they they tried to uh, get her to say something more. But I'm not even talking about the affidavit. I'm talking about the fact that Becky said something at all, because that's going to be the appellate issue, right? That it should be U.S. versus Remmer, the case that should have been the standard. Right. There should have been a, a hearing to to get more information about what Becky was saying and how she was conducting herself. So does the mere fact like... Uh, Look, the way I see it is that Justice Toll ruled the correct way in this case, in this instance, with this set of facts, right? Based on the law. Based on the law. Absolutely. But the law is something that's up for interpretation sometimes, right? Right. As we, you and I have said, that they raise Sixth Amendment and Seventh Amendment federal concerns, constitutional concerns. And our Supreme Court and ultimately the Supreme Court or the federal court on habeas corpus is going to have to say, can you follow green, which is South Carolina law and show must show the impact on the jury? Or is Jim Griffin correct that prejudice was shown based on her making those statements? And you're saying because Justice Toll made a finding of the lack of credibility of Becky Hill on some issues, that that would seem that if Reamer is applied, he gets a new trial. But that is so far down the road. Dick Harputlian is going to be retired by then. Listen to me. Dick is going to be retired. Jim is going to want to get out of this. It may be a public defender or some other attorney that is representing Alex at that time. Dick wanted this now, and he lost. And on that note, we'll be right back. As y'all know, we're gearing up for our national tour. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful. But do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it, Viore. The Viore Winter Collection is chocked full of travel gear for any temperature or adventure. I'm planning to strut down Rodeo Drive in my Elevation Trousers. Sophisticated silhouette, ultimate stretch, superior softness. That is my new travel mantra. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com COJ. That's V-U-O-R-I dot COJ. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com COJ and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Go, Mandy. Let, take off. Let me hear what you got to say. It really was um, Dick's big shot. <laughs> and I can't that as you were saying that I it's really hitting me. 
how far down the road all of this really will be now because i mean this was a dragon that was absolutely slayed today that could have been oh, a, a beast of a case to deal with in the next year and a beast of I just keep thinking about taxpayer money because I'm a South Carolina taxpayer and I did not want to pay for that again. I believe that Alex Murdoch was guilty. And I think the other thing that was just really bothering me the entire time today and for the past six months is that there was no more. Alex isn't any less guilty than he was on. The, we have not seen anything to show that he is innocent. There has been nothing that has whatsoever shown that the jury got it wrong. Justice Toll told you the jury got it right. She said yeah. she read the entire transcript and she said, I listened to what Judge Newman said in his sentencing. And she turned to Alex Murdoch and said, there was compelling evidence here for this jury to find you guilty of double murder. I mean, she she is amazing. I mean, you want to talk about a decisive judge? There is no judge in our state that would have done what she did and ruled from the bench like that. They all take it under advisement. This is a decisive judge who said, if I'm wrong, let an appellate court stand on my head. Listen, guys, I was 100% wrong about this judge. You were right, Mandy. You said you had a good feeling about her. So you did too, Liz. I was wrong. I, I let some of my past experiences with her affect on what she was going to do on this case. I mean, she was as decisive a judge as you will ever see. Now, she opened the door today. Dick Harputlian beat her down to a point that she opened the door and let some testimony in. Creighton didn't open that door. Creighton didn't open the door with any questions he asked. It was Dick over and over again. And she... I don't think that's true. I don't. I disagree with you, Eric. Okay. I don't think it was Dick. You're giving him too much credit here. I think that she had no choice but to do what she did because I think she needed to protect her record. I think that by entertaining Dick, she was also giving him enough rope to hang himself in some ways because we all saw how it fell apart. You know, you, you had Rhonda McElveen come up. You had Juror 741 come up. Those two jurors, I'm sorry, like, you know, we, we can talk about like Rhonda said that, you know, Becky gave a juror a ride in the car, right? But we now have Becky on the record and we now have uh, the juror who supposedly got this ride saying that didn't happen. I don't know what to make of that. It doesn't, it, but, but that doesn't make Rhonda, you know, automatically credible just because she's, you know, she said it. We have the president of the Clerks of Court Association, somebody with 20 years in this field, who never thought to go to Judge Newman once to talk about all these alleged concerns that she suddenly had about Becky's behavior. And one, the juror ride would have been the most egregious thing, um, as she said so herself in her testimony. So you're sitting there listening to that testimony and you're realizing that these witnesses who are supposed to help impeach Becky's character are not necessarily doing that. What I think impeached Becky's character was Becky's lack of being able to articulate herself because she was splitting hairs up there over and over again because something wasn't technically true. And the way the judge asked it or the way Dick asked it, uh, she was answering that specific question. So for instance, with sealed documents, it was not true that Becky sent sealed documents to Netflix. She sent evidence that had not yet been sealed. So when she's answering this question over, it was so frustrating to sit there and listen to Judge Justice Toll ask this question over and over again, because it looked like Becky was lying, but she was answering the question she was asked and not offering additional information, which I think she should have done. So 
I don't agree that Dick opened the door. I think that Justice Toll knew that she needed to get, I think once those jurors were questioned and once she understood that juror Z had contradicting testimony and that they were going to try to change it a third time with this, this little affidavit, I think she knew then how she was going to rule. She just wanted to explore it more and see you know, convince me, basically. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's a win for Dick. I don't know. Mandy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it definitely made the day more not exciting, but like, what would you call? I I was like on it. It made the day just more interesting. crazy, interesting. And I'll say it too, entertaining. Like it was, it played like a movie today from the beginning to end because it was just, it was like knocking you around and you think it's going this way and then it goes this way and then it ends in this beautiful way. <laughs> it was, it felt like a movie all day long and it didn't even feel real. I think that, I think Justice Toll's a genius. I was just watching how meticulous she was and she was really walking a tightrope this entire day because if she allowed certain things in, then it made, it, it would have made a different hearing. And like this morning with Jer Z, she could have handled that in an entirely different way. And really the hearing could have gotten, gotten off the rails from there, but she didn't, I think she swayed more. I thought it was interesting. It, it felt like she swayed more in the favor of the prosecution in the morning. And then with afternoon testimony, it felt like, and she was, she was swatting down lots of objections from the prosecution all afternoon. She was letting a lot more testimony than we anticipated, and it was just wider. But I think, I think it was good. Like Liz said, I think as soon as Rhonda came out, I was like, if this is all he has, we're in good shape. Like if Rhonda is his big uh, power witness, and because I could already hear the trolls in the pro Murdoch media screaming this morning and all weekend, they're uh, justice tolls, not going to let the truth in. She's only, she's going to be so narrow with this, that she's not going to let anybody hear the truth. And I kind of like that. She was like, okay, let's go. Well, who do you got? Let, well, let, <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you her, her genius. And you said it. She told the world, this is not going to be a Becky Hill trial. I'm not putting Becky Hill on trial. And she didn't. But what she did is she let Becky Hill give answers. Remember, Becky didn't take the fifth. And she made a statement. Becky's going to have a reckoning down the road. And Justice Toll set that in motion. She's going to have a reckoning from the, the court system. She may have a reckoning on these investigations. But she was able to separate Becky from the jurors. She gave Dick exactly what she wanted, what Dick wanted, which is a trial about Becky Hill. But that wasn't the issue that was before her. It was a juror issue. So she took care of the juror issue. You knew she was going to rule this way because she kept on saying, Mr. Harputlian, you'll be able to handle this on appeal. This is an issue that'll be there for appeal. I'm, you don't have to take exception. I got you covered. You're not waiving everything. So you knew where she was going to go. But Dick wanted to make this about Becky Hill. So he threw. She was not pleased about Becky Hill's conduct. She didn't like that Becky Hill wrote a book. She didn't like what she heard about Becky Hill. So she set Becky Hill's demise in motion. And Becky will 
be collateral on this. She's going to suffer. She's going to, at a minimum, lose her job. And at a maximum, she may face criminal jeopardy. Well, okay, so let's talk about criminal jeopardy, because if Justice Toll is saying that jury tampering did not occur, then how can Becky have tampered with the jury criminally? Well, she exceeded her authority with a lot of different things that she was doing. She didn't like the way she comported herself. Sure, and but, but she didn't, criminally? I think, I think she didn't like her answers. No, I understand that, but you're saying down Under the road. Some of her answers she didn't follow through. Down the road, you're saying that Becky could face charges for jury tampering. Isn't that what you're saying? Not jury tampering. She could face charges for um, uh, abuse of her office, abuse uh, and perjury. She This poetic license about her book is just outright lying. I mean, calling people pedophiles and criminals, it was bizarre to... She didn't call anyone a pedophile, to be clear. She did not call anyone a pedophile. That, that's another author. But I'm saying her answers were bizarre about poetic license. I mean, if yeah, you guys as journalists said, oh, yeah, we write on innuendo and we can just kind of say that's what it is, it was ridiculous. Well, that's another point where she wasn't articulating herself because we were uh, sharing excerpts of the book with people on our um, live stream. She didn't say that the Murdochs were criminals. To be clear, she said the stories that she heard about her family and their their connection with the Murdochs as it relates to moonshining, that these are like, you know, there's plenty of stories in her family. That's essentially what she was saying. So I don't but know she why didn't she didn't say that on the stand. I, I don't know. know why she didn't say that. I don't that. know why she, she didn't either. It was frustrating me too. She did, it's like she didn't know her book. It, I mean, Mandy can quote verse, page, and whatever in her book. It's like Becky didn't know her book. Right. She just bought Lock, Stock, and Smoke and Barrel that said she said that they were criminals. Now you're telling me she didn't say it. I haven't read her book, so I don't know. I've read it twice, unfortunately. <laughs> I was very disappointed by her demeanor today. And I don't know about y'all, but she just came across as shameless and almost arrogant at and, and certain points. There was some like, I, there was a little bit of Alex Murdoch, I can control the room, I can talk my way out of this type attitude from her. And it was just disappointing. And when she was saying, when she was admitting to plagiarizing, it was like, meh. <laughs> and she was like, I would have bawled in front. I would have been like, <laughs> I was just so stressed out. And I, it was none of that. And right. But I'm glad it wasn't because we needed her to keep her, yeah. her stuff together. We needed her to not be a mess up there. So her arrogance and her low country ways were much appreciated for me because I was so scared she was going to get up there. And because you can tell that where the tipping point came, which is what she was not prepared for, which was Justice Toll's questions and focusing in on that, um, those sealed documents, because obviously that was, that would be the most disturbing thing to Justice Toll, right? Like you gave up sealed, like you're telling me Judge Newman sealed this evidence and then you gave it to Netflix, which isn't what happened. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think she started to fall apart at that point because she stopped being able to, um, it was like, like we said, I mean, like she seemed more scared of Justice Toll than she did Dick Harpootlian. Um, she was much more able to deal with his nonsense. But when it came to Justice Toll, I just, it was like watching a six-year-old get in trouble by the principal. Oh yeah. That was a good point. What did y'all think of Alex? I, he and I stared each other down. We had two really long stare downs, probably 30 seconds on one and probably 20 on the other and where we didn't break. 
And then he finally looked away. And one time I looked away. So it was a draw. We both had a draw, but he was angry. I mean, I don't know. Did they show him on the camera a lot that you would see? Not a lot, but enough where we could get that. He was, he was frustrated. He kept on doing this with his hair and really he knew it was coming. He, he knew it. And he's upset. He's very thin, guys. He is very, very thin. Well, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Honestly, it was therapeutic to see him in person on Friday because, in a weird way, you think of Alex Murdoch as this great, mighty, powerful man. Um, and he looks really worn out recently. Like, up close, he, I was telling Liz this, he looks worn, he looks frail, he looks not not intimidating and not confident like he used to. Um, jail has appropriately done a number on him, and that was very obvious when I saw him. But unlike you, nobody would look at our row, uh, Eric. Like, nobody from the defense. We kept staring at the defense table and like, come on, look at us. And no one, not one of them would look back. Good for you. I mean, you were right there. Good. You went right there. I mean, you went right there. You could have smelled their body odor. You were so close. You know, it was so cool. We were really close. And I was with Colton, the eighth grader from Hampton County. Shout out to Colton. He's awesome. He wants to be a journalist. He was shadowing me on Friday. And uh, it was so funny because we, we sat down there just because of audio reasons. It would be It was the best place to get audio. And Alex wasn't there yet when we sat down. And Colton, this eighth grader, looks at me and he's like, is Alex Murdoch going to sit right there? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, do you want to move? Because I, 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 I totally understand if that makes you feel uncomfortable. And he was like, no, we're not moving anywhere. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, there, a lot of people came up to Alex during the past two days not just his attorneys and and the para, the paralegals but other people and we're like talking to him like he's just a normal person and not a double murderer it really is bizarre that people you know there is image andre agassi is right in a way image is a lot of things it may not be everything but to be standing next to alex myrtle and talking to him in you know for over a minute or two minutes that's not a good visual to have it really did you notice that on friday a little bit of that mandy kind of i'm just so i've learned so much about people in the last couple years and one of them being like I, I don't think people think about image or I don't think that they have the level of self-shame and guilt that I have and that many of my friends have, I think. And I think that they just give Alex Murdoch a pass over and over. And those same people, they helped create this monster. Like, I think that that's something that's really, we have to all talk about it and say it out loud. Like, people still treating him like a human being who deserves sympathy and empathy and people to fight for him at this point. I mean, they deserve this monster that we've had for the last six months. And in the last couple of years. Well, it's bizarre. Everybody says that true sunlight or cup of justice cannot live without Alex Myrtle. This is all we are. We're a one trick pony. Yet we're the only ones 
who are consistently saying he's guilty, he doesn't deserve a new trial, we don't want a new trial. Everybody else, they want the story to continue. I watched them in court today. I watched all the media. They wanted her to say a new trial because they're the one trick ponies on this deal. You know, we're trying to move on. We're we're interviewing people. We're we're talking about other cases. And we're being accused of being the ones that actually, well, they really secretly want Alex to, to, to get a new trial. No, we don't. We're the only ones. It's crazy. I mean, am I wrong on that, Liz? Well, reality doesn't matter. I think that South Carolina is basically an, the entire series of Veep in which every single person con constantly resets they are their worst version of themselves and everyone forgives everyone for that being their worst version of themselves because they too are the worst versions of themselves. So very politically, like South Carolina is, I think, political on like every level. It's very veep. And I think, I mean, the people in our state that are like Dick Carpootlian that have been so ingrained in the political world for so long, they operate like monsters. <laughs> And they, they, they don't operate like human beings. And it's terrifying to watch. And seeing all of that like intersect with a murder trial has been just absolutely wild. But uh, today with the media, I also couldn't help but notice how, how many of them position themselves like specifically so they would be on camera. And I also watched a lot of their faces like get excited, get like perk up when uh, something went the defense's way or it, laugh at Dick Arputlian's stupid bad jokes, which th his jokes are really bad. Like, are and they're, endless. And they're, <laughs> they never stop. Everything is a, is a gratuitous ad hominem comment. It just never stops. And he never says anything that's funny, ever. Like, I don't think he's ever been in front of an audience that isn't fearful of actually being honest about him. Like, everybody's just afraid of him, so they laugh along with his jokes, and it's pathetic. But on that note, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Eric, I had a question for you. The another weird thing that happened this morning that I would like to unpack is what happened with the jurors and their cell phones and some of them being able to watch a feed of some sort. What was going on there? Well, there was supposed to be a bailiff that was in the jury room with that. Justice told, put an embargo. That's the word that she used. And a slight sequester where the jurors were going to stay together once they came to court. She was going to bring them in. She was going to tell them exactly what she said, which is, this is not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, you did great. You served your time. Go back to the jury room. We'll bring you in one-on-one. -on -one. And the bailiffs must have done what they normally do, which bailiffs don't ever go in the jury room. They sit outside the door. 
And so what ended up happening is when one of the officers went back to get the next juror, they opened the door and realized they're sitting there watching the proceedings. And so she didn't want the jurors in advance to get the questions and to hear the first juror, Juror Z, say that she was intimidated because I don't know if you guys saw it, Joe McCullough's associate went up to talk to Justice Toll. She was concerned for the safety of this juror not from the external people out in the courtroom or out on the street, but for the other jurors, because she just revealed that I was intimidated and there was some coercion by the jurors themselves. So that was a little bit of a side shoot. That felt like manufactured drama to me, because obviously Justice Toll asked them what they thought, and Juror Z said she felt fine and dandy and had a big smile on her face. So that just felt like more theater from the defense, frankly. But I mean, to be clear, there were only two jurors who said that they had their phones on, and only one of those two said that they pulled up Facebook and the proceedings were on. The rest of the jurors all said that they weren't part of that. So I think that kind of went a little, I mean, it was just another dramatic moment where the record sort of screeches and you're like, you've got to be kidding me that this is happening. And then unfortunately, I think on Twitter, it just doesn't get like corrected. So then it becomes more like, oh, and all these jurors were back there watching proceedings. And that's not actually the case. But also any prejudice that would have come from that from them seeing what jurors he said would have benefited probably Dick and Jim over the prosecution. Am I right about that? I thought about that, too, because of human behavior, like they're all scared to say the, the truth. And if a one person speaks up and that is the truth, then the others would be a lot more likely to say, yeah, that did happen. I thought about that, too, afterwards. It was another weird thing. But I also I people were saying, like, how does this happen? Blah, blah, blah. And all freaking out. And it's like, well, this is a very, very abnormal hearing. It's not often that jurors are dragged across the state a year later to be to testify about a a verdict that they rendered a year ago. And this is all a very strange situation. And I was also angry. I, I thought that Judge Toll handled the juror on Friday really well. Uh, I was glad that she... That was my client too. Yeah, for your client. I thought that it was good that she did that for her schedule because these are jurors. They are not prisoners. They should not have to rearrange their entire schedules. And then Dick Harputlian wanted to sequester the jurors over the weekend. And I can't believe that. While also filing the questions, making the questions public. Right. Guys, I was retained by her on Thursday for the sole purpose. She said, I've been trying to contact the courthouse. I've written everybody. Nobody will answer me. I have this pre-planned Bible trip. What can you do? And I said, I will write Justice Toll. And everybody on the copy chain were like privately saying, are you out of your mind? You really think that Justice Toll is going to do a separate hearing or make an accommodation for one juror and Damn it, if she didn't do it. She actually said to me, I offered, I said, Justice, you know, you're probably going to take this under advisement like most judges do. Why don't we do this person when she comes back from her vacation? And Justice Tulsa, Mr. Bland, I'm rolling from the bench. And it was like, oh, it was unbelievable when she said it. And she marshaled law enforcement, sled, the court personnel, and she did this hearing on Friday for one juror because she honestly believes these jurors should not have been inconvenienced like they have been. And 
good for her. Exactly. Do you guys think that um, Jersey, Eric, you were in the courtroom with her. Didn't Jersey, she sounded more nervous to us over the feed of all the jurors. I mean, how did it compare with the other jurors? She was sheepish. Yeah, she was not as confident. Like, Like embarrassed? Not embarrassed, but you could tell like lacking in confidence in a way. The other jurors were resolute. You know, they came in absolutely not. No. What was interesting, they all kind of dressed up except for uh, one of the gentlemen he had. A, uh, one of the gentlemen was not as dressed up, but they came in with their Sunday best on. So this they knew this was serious. Um, but, yeah, she was not as confident outwardly as the rest. But it was, you know, she has to have some confidence to be able to say what she said. Was she looking around the room or like what was her demeanor in terms of where was she looking or? No, she was staring at Dick. She never looked around the room. She just stared at Dick. Staring at Dick? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring this up because I got some crap for it over the weekend and I want to put this on the record and make it clear. There was a, because Justice Toll had that additional hearing to accommodate the first juror's needs, um, which was great. And because Dick Arputlian asked for a sequestration of the jurors, and Justice Toll was very smart and said, no, we're not going to do that. But what we will do, media, is um, we're going to embargo what happens when I question this juror. So you cannot report on the questions all weekend. You cannot report on what the juror testified. And that embargo ends at 930 on Monday when all the jurors are in the courthouse and secure. And I got several people and I mean, some People in the media were stirring it up, too. Uh, But I got a few people saying, you're not a real journalist if you didn't fight that. That's prior restraint. And it's that makes me so angry because this is a case where we're constantly fighting actual First Amendment issues. But this is not one of them. Like right. waiting a couple days to report. This is jurors anonymity. Yeah. And I, also she could have closed the courtroom. I mean, one any other judge would have closed the courtroom as the alternative. But she allowed the media to sit there. No serious member of the media had an issue with it. Jay Bender, who's the media liaison, is a First Amendment attorney. It is his literal job. We called upon him many times when we had issues with judges doing stupid stuff to keep the media out. So I think it was just, again, more manufactured drama from people. It pissed me off that she was identified while she was testifying as the jury foreperson. Somebody tweeted that out. That was wrong. Yeah, I think- yeah. And then and then I saw several other reporters who were clearly on Dick and Jim's side saying it's well known that she's the four person. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the memo from Dick and Jim saying all the highlights because apparently, yeah, y'all have well-known things going around in your circles. And it's very clear and it's not well, well known to the rest of us who aren't phone buddies with Dick and Jim. Sorry. Um, I, I just, uh, again, there was just so many things that were really frustrating, but I think the most frustrating part is the media and how they responded to this. Let's go back to August guys, September, excuse me. Let's go back to that press conference on the state house grounds in front of the court of appeals and all the pomp and circumstances and the vitriol, the, the strident language by Jim Griffin that we are going to blow this wide open. This was jury tampering at its worst. We have been following this and we have investigated this and we're going to blow your mind. And we kept on saying, 
damn, they're coming in like a lion. It's exactly what has happened with every other major press conference that they do. It's a lot of screaming from the rafters, but in the end, there's nothing. They've got nothing. They didn't show that any other juror was lying or compromised their verdict. They got, there was nothing. They ended up with nothing. Remember the day of the status conference we were seeing on Twitter, people talking about how there were going to be fireworks in the courtroom that day. And it seemed like they were trying to insinuate, like you were going to get your butt handed to you, Eric, like by justice toll. Obviously that didn't happen. It's just more, I, I don't, I guess it's like frustrating for me just because it's so obvious from where we sit, what's going on, but yet people still take whatever the media is saying and then they run with that and we're over here just like (laughs) well yeah somebody wrote an article suggesting that i should be you know um reported to odc because of what i said to justice toll i cannot tell you from the minute i stepped in that courtroom and every communication i've had with justice toll she has treated me better than I've ever been treated by any judge in my career. She was respectful. She was respectful to my clients. She said I had every right to sit where I did. She wanted me to be able to talk to these jurors. She shared everything with me, including her list. This, I just was totally wrong about her. I mean, I, got, I, I, I can admit it and I apologize to her. That's what you do when you're wrong. You accept it and you apologize. But yeah, I mean, it was like everybody was hoping that she was going to chop my head off. I know. They're excited. Um, can we talk a little bit about what happens next? And we talked a little bit about it with Becky and, and maybe what she faces. Um, you know, possibly she might step down from her job. That's an option. Uh, I don't think that Governor McMaster is going to take any measure to, like, have her removed because that just isn't his jam, generally speaking. But now that we know no jury tampering happened for sure, um, obviously the criminal part of that wouldn't go forward. I want to say this and I want to be careful when I say it because I totally understand that there are credible, seemingly credible claims when it comes to the ethics, seemingly credible claims when it comes to the perhaps the wiretapping, right? I would not be surprised if some of this disappeared altogether now because I felt like I feel like if they go forward with these things, it's only because they know that we're looking for it to go away at this point, because it feels like it was just useful for them in the moment. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I And I've thought about that, too, because especially in South Carolina and especially when it comes to an official um, being investigated, charged and removed, which is very, very unlikely in South Carolina, no matter what kind of horrific things people are accused of. Unless there's somebody super powerful behind it, driving it, not a lot gets done and those investigations just tend to go away. And I mean, I want to know what happened with Becky. I I disagree with you guys i think she's low-hanging fruit and i think unfortunately she's going to be the collateral i I, when the chief former chief justice makes those kind of statements about a public official on in front of the world i do think that that henry mcmaster may be forced to do something but she's going to she's going to be a collateral on this she's not going to skate through this and keep her job it's just not going to happen well Let's be clear on what she said, though. I mean, because I think it's already being taken out of context. She said 
Becky was not completely credible. Now, I'm not trying to make this softer. That's enough. That is enough for a clerk of court. The clerk of court has, they're called the honorable. So that person cannot have a credibility question. I'm not talking about jury tampering. I'm not even talking about, is she, you know, using her office for financial gain? I'm not talking about the book or anything. I'm just saying when you're an honorable public official and the chief justice says you've got credibility problems, you can't afford to have that in the clerk of court and the story. I may be wrong. It's just so rare that he takes any action in that regard. But maybe you're right. I mean, maybe he will actually do that. And I think that would be the right decision for him to do. Um, but as far as her ethics complaints and her um, potential ethics charges, um, I don't know. I feel like I, in South Carolina, things just get done differently. And I also, um, going back to what I said earlier about the Veep, uh, the show Veep, and just sort of how like politically feckless those people are. Um, that is just how it is. I mean, like you've watched it, right? The show. It's just I love it. Uh, it's just people who are constantly having to um, do each other dirty, and then they forget that they did. They they don't care because they just that person's now useful to me, and that's just honestly. When you I looked at that courtroom today, I looked at the media box. Which, again, like, I have to laugh at this whole thing, this concept of it was widely known. I've seen that excuse used several times by reporters when they get challenged about information that they've let out. It was widely known. Look at yourself in your echo chamber, my friends, because you could see the echo chamber contained right there in that jury box. So it, it, it just it doesn't surprise. So anyway, going back, it's just it, I looked at all those people and was picturing them sort of as the Veep characters, because that's really, I think, in a lot of ways, how people have conducted themselves throughout this. Well, you asked a good question. You said, well, what is next for Alex? Um, and so we, I think we should explore that. What is next? I know what is next, but I want to hear what, what you two have to say. What do you think is next? What do you see, Andy? Apparently they caught there looking for the killer. So that's good. Right. Yeah. That's next on their little villain checklist. Um, I, I was just talking to David about this and I might be alone in it, but I was bothered by everything that happened today, but I would like to know like where these jury tampering accusations actually came from. And like, did you hear a reporter ask that question? Did you hear that, Mandy? No. What did she say? I don't say? know who it was, but she said, listen, today I found Becky to be far more credible than I thought I would have on the stand, which makes me have to ask you, where did these jury tampering accusations come from? Where did you guys first hear this and so they both that's when they went into their um dirt roads and knocking on doors and shoe leather conversation because they were like well by talking to the jurors that's how we found out but i think uh, to your point the testimony we heard today from Rhonda McElveen and from juror 741 who all of a sudden remembered this juror car ride um it seems like there was a lot of gossip going around in circles, right? Uh, and we know personally we were affected by that gossip. Right after Becky's book. Right, exactly. So Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was a huge waste of time. And I get really, and I say it was a waste of time because it appears like some things were manufactured. It, it appears like lies were put into some of these jurors' heads. And Watch it her. appears one juror, but it, it appears like uh, lawyers went into Colleton County with an agenda and wanting to put words inside jurors' mouths. And I wish 
Because Dick Harpootlian, we we say Becky's the low-hanging fruit. Dick Harpootlian, in investigating whatever he's up to and whatever he's doing, that's the big prize. Like, that's where we actually get the corruption from the tree to, to fall. And that's how we actually change things in South Carolina. We keep going after Becky's. Nothing's ever going to change because it, it, low-hanging fruit, like you said. And not, and again... I, we don't know if we don't know if Dick Arputlian did anything criminal, but we have to be so careful about even saying that because everybody in the state is like, oh, my gosh, do we ever nobody accuses Dick Arputlian of doing anything. The guy has walked around his entire life unafraid of ever being investigated for anything. And I feel like he gets sloppy and I feel like the rules have never applied to him and I was just very, very angry of the circus that he has made our system into. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. We know there's a couple other lawyers that have done it to Casey Manning. You know, there is another lawyer we've talked about who's also made our system a little bit of a circus, you know, um, who's also a politician. So it's not just Dick, but it's a, it's a number of people who have that kind of power, whether it's a you know, on the Judiciary Committee or they're on a Judicial Selection Committee or whatever, they they get access that normal lawyers don't. And they're they're immune from scrutiny. They're they're immune from that any kind of scrutiny. I think that the egg lady was a seed that they planted. Uh, she was a seed for them that she got planted in March and she would her festering resentment of being kicked off the jury. Some of the loosey goosey ways that Becky conducted herself um, started to rise to the top of her complaint, her alleged or purported relationship with juror 630, um, who apparently was, you know, there, they say that she was her tenant, uh, at least at one point that starts to come into play. These two people are talking, right? So the power of suggestion starts to take hold, right? And you have Rhonda McElveen, who, if she's the Barnwell County clerk, of course, she's certainly coming into contact with the likes of uh, uh, attorneys in the Murdoch circle because that's their territory, really. I mean, so she's definitely known Alec professionally, right? Uh, Barnwell County is right outside the 14th Circuit. So you're you're talking about, you know, think about the, the blue tarp in the murder case and how that didn't come out until Miss Shelley uh, got into a situation where she was uh, just having a conversation with a state trooper, I believe, and he reported what she told him. It was a casual conversation that became formalized. So I think the power of, I think more than, Dick and Jim doing anything, because I think if they had the power to do something, they would have done something and they didn't, meaning it, there was no jury tampering prove, proven here. Um, I feel like the power suggestion is strong, especially, and I, th I think that we can't underestimate the social network of the Lowcountry and Barnwell County at the level of the Rhonda McElveens, at the level of Egg Lady and Juror 630. These are people who've known each other um, in all different circles since they went to school together. So you're talking about a pressure that just maybe we don't experience because we're all from somewhere else and, and we make our networks in different ways. So I think that that's probably what what happened. That's what I'm guessing based on today's testimony from Rhonda McElveen. A lot of gossip, a lot of rumors. But I think they knew it was all rumors and gossip. 
that's the thing. I think that they knew the whole time yeah. that they had nothing, right. and they they pushed the charade to the very furthest extent that they possibly could have. They got the entire media behind them. They capitalized on it for sure, and that I mean, they got sympathy for Alex. But they had to have known it was a lie. I think that they did. I think that, yeah, I, I'm not saying that they didn't think it was a lie. I'm thinking, I'm saying that, like, how did these uh, jury, how did this go from no jury tampering to suddenly we're talking about jury tampering? The power of suggestion. If you hear that some Becky had a conversation that was loosey-goosey and you're Dick Harpootlian, your mind's immediately going to, how can I use that? Oh, my God, that's jury tampering. And oh, my God, U.S. versus Rummer says that just the mere fact that something was said by a court official is enough for a new trial. So that's what I'm saying. Is that like that? I, I understand how it got to that level through the rumors and the and the gossip, and I understand why Dick and Jim capitalized it. I don't understand why the court system allowed them to get as far as they got, uh, because I think that that should have been squashed. Well, I think now that the 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 court system is wise to this, we got to do something to keep Alex relevant. We we have to have these kind of press conferences now. We're going to try to come out and find the murderer. What's going to end up happening, which is the worst thing for Alex, is there's going to be silence. We're going to have Judge Gurgle's sentence. They may come forward and do something with the uh, September uh, Labor Day shooting or not. They may let it sit. The worst thing for Alex is time where nobody's writing about him, talking about him. Dick isn't doing anything, asking for a hearing. That's the worst thing in the world. Time will kill this guy. Time out of the limelight. Let's talk about Sandy real quick being in the, um, Sandy Smith was in the courtroom for seven hours today. Um, today was Steven's birthday and his sister Stephanie's birthday. Her presence sitting with SLED sent to me a strong message that guess who's next? Guess what case is next? Today was his birthday. Wasn't his birthday today? Yep. It's him and his twin sister Stephanie's birthday. And that's what Stephanie, that's what um, Sandy wanted to do today. Um, I think she wanted to remind people, hey, uh, circus is over and we're next. And on that note, we have a lot of really interesting guests coming up. I'm really excited. Um, other cases to explore. We're going back to Steven, which is going to be great. Um, we have a lot of really great things ahead of us. And I, I'm just, it's hitting me that this chapter is closing. It is. But you guys should applaud yourselves. I mean, you, you guys have fought the amazing fight since 2019 and you haven't given up it great personal expense um you know a lot of a lot of mocking and ridicule and jealousy and all the seven deadly sins thrown at you guys and um again you you just keep making the right calls um which is amazing and i'm honored to uh, be part of your team and uh hitching my wagon to you too and uh you know anybody that questions why um uh, I'm with you too. It's because I believe in you too, and I believe you're right. Well, the proof is in the pudding, Eric. <laughs> it turns out we've been right a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, great show, everybody. Cups down. Cups down. Cups down. Cups down. 
Cup of Justice is a Luna Shark production created by me, Mandy Matney, and co-hosted by journalist Liz Farrell and attorney Eric Bland. Learn more about our mission and membership at lunasharkmedia.com. Interruptions provided by Luna and Joe Pesky. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.